there's always these down moments. There's moments where you feel down. There's moments where you feel like I'm not good enough. There's moments where you feel like, uh, you know, maybe this is not for me. Um, and you just have to go back and remember for me, it was remembering the dedication that, um, uh, I applied in, 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 in bodybuilding and, and then I would be okay. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Welcome to a very special episode of the Barbend Podcast today, one that covers a bit more ground than normal. Today, I'm talking to Laith Knackley, a star of stage and screen, probably best known for his roles in The Long Road Home, The Wall, and as Uncle Nassim in the hit TV series, Rami. He's also a cast member on the upcoming Ms. Marvel series on Disney+. Before his acting days, Laith was a competitive bodybuilder, winning the title of Mr. Syria before retiring from the sport. In our conversation, we talk about Laith's bodybuilding career, the discipline and focus it helped teach him in pursuing acting, diversity and representation on screen, and much, much more. Also, we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbend podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. Thanks so much for joining us. This is an episode I'm, I'm especially excited about, a little bit different than what we normally do on the Barbend podcast. But the first question I have to ask for those who, who might not have seen the show, Rami Season 2, there's an episode called Uncle Nassim, and it opens with a montage of you pumping iron and, and lifting with some heavy metal music playing in the background. And I just had to, I have to ask, was that something the writers of the show wrote specifically for you, the, the actor and your background? It's, um, it's a mix of everything. Um, I mean, it started like episode two in, in season one when my character was introduced, you know. <laughs> I improvised, um, I improvised something in the end of that scene when I tell Rami, did you know, did you know that I was Mr. Egypt? Did your mom tell you that I was Mr. Egypt? You know, and they liked it. And then Rami do, and then Rami changed it to Mr. Egypt runner up. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was just funnier and it was funnier. And, uh, you know, cause we established, I figured, you know, like I'm this burly man, I'm muscular. I can't hide it. You know, it's no matter what, you know? So, um, so we added that and knowing that, you know, it it will it would come into season two or the future, and then when we discussed things of uh, you know uh, um, season two, I, I would always jokingly say like you know I want I want my own workout montage you know <laughs> I, I want my own little like Rocky montage like Uncle Nassim gym montage you know and it's my element so it's like I'm I'm very comfortable in that element and it's just like almost almost because bodybuilding is like no matter what it's a through line in my life regardless of my emotional attachment or relationship to it current and past it's a through line of my life so i kind of want wanted a homage to 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 uh, bodybuilding and working out 
so yeah so then you know and i it was great like it just opened up the episode i didn't expect it to be as you know as as amazing <laughs> as it came out but it was really good so yeah it's a mix of it's a mix of uh you know a great great creative team and also my you know my desire to do to do do something like that like all the pictures and and everything like on the walls so those all my pictures you know I'm I'm curious when they were doing the blocking for it and and putting together the montage. Did you say which movements you wanted in that in that montage? Yeah, yeah, we, we yeah, absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent. Like even the stuff when I was doing the posing and stuff, that was all like me feeling comfortable in my element. You know, I was a little confused because you're doing leg press and bicep curls on the same day in that montage. That's what that's what confused me because I, I was doing what. You, were, I saw in that montage you're doing you're doing leg press, but also in the same montage you're doing biceps. So I guess you were doing legs and biceps well, on the same day. <laughs> no, no. Well, the way the way I actually work out now, the way I actually work out now, I go I'll go to the gym three times a week, and I'll, I'll do I I do a full body. So it's it's kind of the way I work out anyway now because someone who's you know late forties, fifties, not going to train like someone who's twenty. I'm not going to train as as hard. I'm not going to be as intense. Uh, or detailed. I'm, I'm, I put my whole body through a workout, you know, and then I do cardio. I run or do my bike uh, uh, like five days a week too. So that's kind of my routine anyway. So um, yeah, that's that's why. But if it was back in the bodybuilding days, it would have been it would have been a weird, uh, um, you know. Although back in the day, I used to do legs and shoulders at the, on the same day. Interesting. I'm I'm curious, you know, as you're you're a New Yorker and uh during during COVID-19 I've seen on social you've been kind of you moved a lot of your workouts outdoor or and you're kind of adapting to the uh to not having the same gym access as, as everyone else. How's that how's that been going for you in adapting to that style of training? No, it's been it's been good. I mean, um Unfortunately, because I had I had a kidney stone surgery, so I haven't been able to work out. I'm I'm starting now, uh, uh, but I have I have the uh, you know cables and stuff like that, and I do like uh, you know body resistant. I use my body weight, uh, and uh, I don't use weights. And I run and I ride my bike. It's amazing because once you've built muscle, it's just like it just takes a little bit to trigger. Uh, uh, you know, just wake them up. You know, I, I can do. I can just. I can move my arms right now, like thirty times. I can do just with no weights, and I'll get a nice pump, and I'll feel it like three hours from now. It's still, so. <laughs> it seems you have that solid base. You mentioned bodybuilding as this through line throughout your life and career, and I'm I'm curious how you first got into to bodybuilding and what your first kind of inspiration was in getting involved in, in you know in that aspect of your life back when you were really active in that in your twenties. Mm -hmm. um hmm. well, i started bodybuilding i spent i lived i lived 10 years in syria and i i started lifting weights like when i was around like you know 17 18 um i had a, a relative who was like you know i think the only person ever won a world championship uh, from syria and um so his son was a very good friend of mine. So we trained at the gym and, you know, and then one day I decided, I think I was 19 to, to, to do a, um, do a contest, you know, and I had no idea what I was doing. I would just like, 
Oh, they said, said, don't eat bread and shave and get a tan. And um, so I didn't. I stopped eating bread and I was training and I was, I was very, very skinny, but I was so dedicated. And then I remember when I went to the, it was a novice competition. And then when, when, when I went to the contest, all my friends were there and I literally like had no muscle, but I was so excited. And uh, I remember the official after the weigh-in, I was the first one to weigh in right before we were about to start. He sent me and a few others home and said, come back next year. It was, it was like the biggest disappointment. It was so humiliating. And I think that was always in the back of my head. You know, and then I came to New York. Um, I wanted to be an actor. That didn't work out in the beginning. I was just so young. And, and so I, I put my attention on, I think, I think the gym helped me with my own insecurities because I felt like it's something I owned and I controlled. I control that narrative of the gym. Nobody else can, you know what I mean? Uh, the weights are there. I go train or not. Um, um, and, uh, and then my body started taking to it. And then some people said, oh, you should compete. And I'm like, I remember, you know, back in the day, I'm like, no, I don't want to compete. I remember what that was like. And, but then I ended up doing it and um, I did a couple shows here. And then I was invited to do Mr. Syria. And I went back, went to Syria. And I, um, ironically, the same official who, 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 uh, um, who told me to go back home was still there. And he, <laughs> but, the, you know, the relationship was much different now. Did he, did he recognize you? Did he remember sending he didn't, home a he, did, kid? He, he didn't, but I told him, I told him that story in front of his kids and his kids were really embarrassed, you know, that, you know, that he did that, but it, you know, that's how life is, you know? Um, it was a fun moment. It was a fun moment. So I, you know, I, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that you had um, moved to New York when you were in your, your early twenties to pursue acting. And then that was kind of, one that didn't happen immediately that was put on hold. You pursued bodybuilding. When did you start making that transition back into acting and giving it another go? Right. Well, I mean, you know, I, I grew up all over the world. I was born in England. And when I was 10, we moved to Syria. When I was 20, I moved here. Um, I think I was 29. And, and I think for nine years before I got back into acting, I would always talk about it as if I was in it, you know. I, if people wanted a recommendation for a film, they would ask me and, and I would watch everything. I would watch foreign films. I would, you know, I'd go to the theater. I would, I'd do things that normal, you know, like normally, like the average person would not do. Like I would just do it in excessively, you know. And so my heart was always there and I'd always uh, quote people, quote actors. And, and then a friend of mine said, well, why don't you take an acting class? I'm like, and see if you like it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And, and then I did. I was 29 and I did. And I was like, it made me so happy. And um, yeah, and I, and I realized that as much as I loved bodybuilding, I wasn't as happy, you know? And it's not, it's, I'm talking about myself. I'm not talking about, it's just to be clear. Uh, it brings so much joy to many others and it did bring joy to me at a time, but then it stopped and I wasn't happy and I wasn't, I I started evaluating why am I doing this? Am I doing it because um, I wanted to be Mr. Syria? I wanted to, I want to impress. I want to prove that I can do something or is it because I love it? And I, I, I wasn't super in love with it anymore. Um, and I took that acting class and, and never looked back. And that was like 
21 years ago. I'm, I'm curious, your mindset, having pursued bodybuilding and been successful at it, how did that change your, your, your mindset, you know, 29-year-old you trying to be an actor versus 20-year-old you? You've mentioned when we were chatting off, off uh, the recording about the discipline that bodybuilding helped impart and taught you. I'm curious about how that mindset shifted. Well, I think, I think the mindset you need to have as a bodybuilder, you really, really, really need to believe in yourself and believe that you can do it. And you need to just keep on going until you, until you get where you want to go. Like, you know, I never, I never had the ambition to be Mr. Olympia or to become an IFBB pro here and compete. I, I didn't, I really, I really was, I wanted to be Mr. Syria, you know, <laughs> and, and, um, um, and I did, and I kept on working hard towards that and, uh, and I achieved it. And I think it's a long process. It's a long process. I did not compete for a long time. Very, you know, as you know, like bodybuilders peak in the mid thirties, I was like 28, 29 when I quit. Um, but the discipline and, and the self-belief, I had to use that because also pursuing acting and even when I started finding success and working, and I'm talking about when you get your first, you know, gig on TV and you get your SAG card and you have like two lines and that's huge. Like there, you know, you wait sometimes years to get that, you know, and, and, and I was working all the time, but there's always these down moments. There's moments where you feel down. There's moments where you feel like I'm not good enough. There's moments where you feel like, uh, you know, maybe this is not for me. Um, and you just have to go back and remember for me, it was remembering the dedication that um, uh, I applied in, 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 in bodybuilding and, and then I would be okay. Because, you, know, you know, bodybuilding, I mean, when you're dieting, it's one of the hardest things ever. On top of that, you're training and you, 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 you're on a strict diet and you're doing it for, for like four months. I mean, it doesn't get any harder than that. I mean, it's a full, it's a full lifestyle commitment. I'm curious as to, you know, any characters kind of when you were an up and coming actor, especially on in stage productions in New York, TV productions, any characters that stuck out in your mind where you had to kind of dedicate yourself to, to becoming that character. And it might've reminded you of some of that dedication or that intensity back in your bodybuilding days. Um, let me think. I don't know. I mean, my process, my process over the years, of course, has gotten easier because you, you understand at some point, you know, you work so hard to achieve the simplicity of, of it in the end, you know, but, um, when you start your career, you tend to sometimes complicate things and force yourself to even work, work harder. Um, so I have it like, I, I don't, my philosophy work, uh, my training is, you know, it's all Meisner and I, you know, I use my imagination and, uh, and I just commit myself to whatever, whatever it is. I lend myself to whatever it is I'm doing. So, um, each character is different. And I, you know, I tell people when you start feeling that it's you, then you're on the right track because you just have a shoe with an adjusted point of view or with an impediment or with something. And, and then you end up becoming that character. So I don't think I've, I went, I've, 
I think everything that's happened in my life has informed me of how to understand human behavior, how to understand characters, how to understand, you know, uh, um, uh, what motivates people to do certain things. But, um, you know, I don't really go too deep into like, uh, remembering something or whatever and all that stuff. That, does that make sense? Does that answer? Yeah, totally. Um, I, I, the next question I have is obviously you are, I'd say your career is very much on, uh, a, a, an upward trajectory and, and hearing the, uh, the Marvel news was, was super cool as a fan of yours, not to, not to fanboy too much, but I, I'm curious the, 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 the show that kind of brought you to, I'd, I'd call it mainstream attention, or at least the mainstream television audience was, was Rami. Tell us a little bit, if you don't mind about how that came about and, and how mm-hmm. you ultimately, you know, became uncle, uncle Nassim. Nassim. Yeah. Um, well, I've known Rami since he was 17. We've wow. had a, you know, we had, you know, uh, we had, we, we started a um, sketch group together called the Sketchy Arabs. And um, <laughs> we would do show. Mem- we would memorable, do, memorable name. Yeah. We were, we were supposed to resurrect it, like just to do a show, I think, uh, um, this year, this, we planned this Chris, this this holiday, you know, because uh, the last show we did was like a sketchy Arab Christmas, and uh, we won. But you know, then COVID took over. One day we'll resurrect and just do a show. Uh, but um, I, we would do shows for like five people sometimes. So I've known him, and we've always stayed in touch, and and um, and I've seen him. I've always believed in him, and uh, uh, and he. Um, he was on to, you know, uh, a lot of things, uh, working and writing. And, and I remember he told me a few years back, he said, I'm working on something. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm writing a role for you. And, and of course you hear that all the time. Everyone's writing a role for someone, but it, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's always like, yeah, I love you. I'm writing like, you know, uh, uh, writing something for you. But so when, when the time came, um, you know, we, we did his pilot, it got picked up and he contacted me and you know i got the size and everything and i ha- i still had to you know now because people would say oh well rami gave him the part rami kind of wrote the part with me in mind but i still had to earn it i still had to show he's not the only one you have hulu you have disney you have so many people involved a24 so i um you know he uh and and he knew that too so he knew that i would kill it but he wanted to not give anyone a reason to say, uh, well, we like this other guy better. And I remember the night before the, you know, I always tell the story. I, I, I think I've, I, I said this one time before in an, another interview. Um, um, I always tell, uh, people like, well, I got the part. Well, I got Rami into my bedroom <laughs> and, but let me clarify. It's not what it sounded like. It's not what it sounds like right now. So what happened was I was, I was here um, the night before the audition, and um, and then I get a call from Rami. Says, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm working on your audition for tomorrow." On the like the second, it was the second part, like meeting, I think the producers and stuff. And I'm like, "It's like um, okay, I'm downstairs. Can I come up?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So he comes up and. And right now, like my office and everything is in my, my bedroom. So I was exactly where I'm at right now. And, and he comes in and, and, um, and we said, let's read it. 
so we start reading it we start reading it and and um and uh, we just work on it. And then we start improvising. And then he says, I'm going to record this just for me. And he records, we improvise for like half an hour, you know. And then he's on his phone texting. And then I go in and a week later, I, I get the part. But the story is that he says that he was texting like Hulu from his phone, the video from, from his phone at my place. And, and that's when the like, decision was made. I, I'm curious what your first reaction was when you read the initial sides for for the character because it's a character that it has a lot i mean he has a lot of development over the course of over the course of the seasons we've seen so far right like there's a there's a lot going on there and from the first moment you're on screen in season one it leaves unimpressed like i remember my reaction to watching that i just like couldn't look away from this character what was your you know what was some of your initial reaction to this character were you at all intimidated by having to like portray this this personality that I can tell is a hell of a lot different than, than you're, than you. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I, without repeating the first line, um, without repeating the first line, you know, I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like literally the first line, you know, and, and it's Rami does this with everything. He just walks the fine line and it's so easy to tip over on the other side. And just like with my episode, that episode could have been, could have been a disaster if just one of the things did not work. You know what I mean? Um, and so I read them, but I also saw when I read the whole episode, you know, this, this person is a real human being. And, and especially what he does when he helps that woman in the end, he stands up for a stranger. And this person, when you humanize him and make him real, it, it doesn't matter. You know, I don't have to, I personally don't like any of his point of views, you know, but as a character too, I know so many people in my family are like that. I know people like, Everyone, I think, has an uncle who's like that, who speaks his mind. It doesn't make him a horrible person. He say horrible things, but sometimes it comes from ignorance. You know, I tell people like who come, who, who spent their whole life in the Middle East, you know, and, and, and then you bring them here and they're 50, 60. They're not, they're not going to understand. I mean, they grow up watching movies and seeing how people are portrayed in movies. They, they're, so they're afraid of black people. They, they you know, they, there's so much propaganda going on there because of, uh, because of what's happening in the world, the Israeli conflict and all that stuff. So in their mind, they're like, okay, we hate Jews, stuff like that. So they grow up with that, but they could be the nicest people, but they just don't know any better, you know? And, um, and Uncle Nassim is, Uncle Nassim is one of them. Uncle Nassim is one of them. I don't agree with anything he says, but I love his journey and his, you know, and, and as you see, like there was some big surprises in season two. What has been the reception that you've been able to to gleam from the uh, Arab American community regarding the show and and its recep- and its reception? I mean, it's it's one of the most visible outlets we see right now for with for Arab Americans on TV. Um, well, for the most part, when I'm and I say like the most part, it's incredible. It's like incredible, but just like anything else in life you do, you can, whatever it is, uh, there's, 
there are always going to be some people who are not satisfied. There are always going to be some people who, um, who complain, who criticize. And no matter what you do, just they won't be happy. They'll find something. And the most misconception um, from, you know, that I see is that uh, when people have issues with the show is because right away they're associating it well like this is, you know, the Muslim show. It's about Islam. But it's not. It's about one guy and, and his journey with Islam. You know what I mean? It's one person. It's one family. It's a bunch of people. It's not like we're not educating people about like, okay, this is how Islam is. This is this, this, this kid and, and his, his journey, you know, you know, trying to, trying to, he's not running away from his faith, but also like he's, you know, he's a millennial, you know? So, so that's the biggest misconception. And of course, you know, you have just people who just like, uh, arrogant and not gonna accept certain things like you know people who loved uncle nasim then all of a sudden when they saw that episode like no you know what i mean we don't like him anymore so which is fine <laughs> one thing i love about the show and if you if you don't watch rami and you're listening to this podcast do yourself a favor and go and go start season season one start with season one watch it all the way through the character arcs are fantastic one thing i love about it is the conflict doesn't necessarily come from anything specific to one family oftentimes or even specific to anything about the characters a lot of it's just conflict i love the intergenerational conflict especially what happens when when uncle nasim is interacting with with rami or with his sister right it, these are these are generational issues you mentioned everyone has that uncle i don't care if you come from a, an egyptian family or an american family or a syrian family whatever it is when you say we all have that one uncle we all know exactly what you're talking about Exactly. There are these universal, these kind of universal human human elements here. One of the last questions I really want to ask you is, you know, we we see characters on TV and we kind of internalize that. We've heard that people who play villains on TV will often get stopped on the street and people will be mad at them because they, they think that they're the personality of that villain. Like the, the guy who played Draco Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies, he's like, people are so mean because they think I'm actually like that, but I'm not. I'm curious if you ever have to like explain to people who might meet you in person after seeing the show, like, hey, this isn't me. I'm not actually like that. I'm an actor. That's a character. Um, I, haven't had, I haven't had to do it um, because usually those people I can sometimes maybe like they just don't want to approach me or they don't want to say anything. But so I haven't had to deal with it. Like, you know, I, I, you know I'll deal with some arrogant comments, you know, like, you know, you know, how does it feel to, 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 to play that? I'm like, what kind of, you know, my episode, I'm like, what kind of question is that? What, what do you mean? Is, am I supposed to feel like uncomfortable or wrong? What does that mean? You know? So, um, it, cause it's something that people are not used to seeing anyway. Like they would, if you were to guess what would happen to uncle Nassim, you could, you could say a hundred things and you wouldn't say, you wouldn't say, what actually did happen in that episode. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I haven't, plus, you know, this year, this year has been very different because I'm wearing a mask all the time, you know? So if I, you know, and I'm quarantined, so I haven't been interacting a lot. Like when I exercise, uh, you know, I've exercised a few times in the park and people come up to me and like, you know, Uncle Nassim, like, you know, random people, uh, or if I go to, you know, certain places where there's more, 
um, you know, um, like the Arab American community. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's, it's odd because like most people who do recognize me, they're not really like, um, you know, of Arab descent, you know, they're just like people who just are very touched by, by, by the show. I was wondering if maybe even with the mask, people could see the beard and they could see the hair and they could be like, yeah, that's, it's, that's it's, the guy. It's just odd. It's just odd. Sometimes they, you know, sometimes they do. Um, and, uh, and from the eyes, I've had that happen. Like I was, I was at Mamoun's falafel once and I was eating a, a falafel sandwich and then there was a table with like six people. And I was so like, you could only see my eyes. I had a cap on my eyes. There was a whole table, like six people like, Uncle Nassim, we love you. <laughs> and like, how did you know? And then sometimes I'm like talking to someone like, Literally, like, I, you know, like, and, and they can see everything. They can see my face. They can, you know, uh, um, and they're like, uh, they're talking about how much they love the show. And I'm like, you know, I'm Uncle Nassim. And they look at me and I'm like, wait, they, don't, you just, they just can't connect. You know? I think some people are very, they're, they're very audio based when they try and recognize people and they're very voice based and you, and your, your normal speaking voice is obviously quite different than your yeah, characters. Yeah. I think that, yeah. I think that might be it. Some people are faces, some people are voices, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I have a, I do have a very distinct voice too. Like someone in Texas and uh, not, not in Texas in Georgia, I was at the supermarket, you know, and, uh, she said, your, your voice sounds so familiar. And I'm like, and I looked at her name tag at the supermarket. She worked there, and you know she sound she. It was an Arabic name, and and then I said, "You watch, uh, you watch Rami." She says, "Oh my God, I'm gonna see." Him. <laughs> <laughs> that's gotta that's gotta make the the years of of really grinding and and working and questioning uh, in, in being an actor. It's gotta make it a little bit easier to recollect back yeah. on those when you have those recognitions now, and you bring that light into people's eyes. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's nice. And what's more important for me too is, um, everything I'm striving for, you know, is now is about representation, you know, like I also write and I do, you know, and I'm, I'm producing stuff and it's all about representation and proper representation. And, and that's what, that's, that's been happening lately. It started with Rami and there was a point, I think three, four years ago, I said, okay, that's it. I'm done. I will not, I will say no to any job that, um, does not represent me. And it doesn't mean that I won't, I'm not willing to play bad people. It doesn't mean I'm not willing to play a terrorist. You know, these people exist, you know, and I'll play, but it, it, it really depends on the context and, and who's telling the story and all that stuff. Because, um, you know, we need to be represented just like any other, you know, minority group. Uh, uh, and it's changing. It's getting better now. Really. I mean, honest to God, if you, if you think of, um, you know, Miss Marvel, uh, I mean, is it <laughs> a superhero, a Muslim superhero, you know, is getting major, major, major production. I mean, that's unheard of. That would have been unheard of even 10 years ago. That would have been unheard of. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's just like, and it's being treated just like anything else, like the Avengers, like anything else. It's part of the universe, and it's absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And to be part of it is, like, amazing. I'm really excited to see. Uh, I'm really excited to, to see what, uh, what life you bring to your character on screen. I think a lot of people, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say, 
we're, we're really excited. No pressure, but we're, we're really excited about that. Where's the best place for people to keep up to date on the work you're doing, be it on projects like Ms. Marvel and Rami or things that you're producing yourself and, uh, and some and other projects like that? Yeah. I mean, for now, I post on, I post on my Instagram, um, which is my name. Um, uh, and that's about it for now. I don't have a, I, I don't, I don't have a website. I don't think I want to have a website. <laughs> I, I, I own the name so nobody else can just, you know, <laughs> start a lace knackly website, but I don't know. It's just like, um, you know, anything that is positive and, you know, good, I will, I will post. Like I'm working on a couple of projects that I will announce soon. Um, and, uh, but I'm going to be busy with this and then, doing a film in between and then we shoot season three of Rami in the summer. So got a, got a full deck. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. And thank you for oh, your perspective and your history and in strength and, and acting and, and the, the transition between the two. It's always cool to explore that relationship. Uh, well, thank you so much, David. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. <laughs>